Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences? And what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy? Or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten. Thriving shipping trade in Michigan dates back centuries. The Great Lakes connect several major cities in both the U.S. and Canada, such as Toronto, Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit, Milwaukee, and Chicago, each of which owes a great deal of their growth to being on the water. While they are called lakes, let's not forget the great part. It's not always easy sailing. Lake Michigan alone is often listed as one of the most dangerous bodies of water in the world. And who can forget what happens to Lake Superior when the skies of November turn gloomy. This song is a classic. Uh, Another classic is the story of the oldest ghost ship on the Great Lakes, uh, Le Griffon, or the Griffin in English. Uh, Le Griffon is so famous that she was mentioned in the TV show Supernatural as an example of a ghost ship. (laughs) uh, People watch that. Hopefully Uh, not anymore. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Yeah. (laughs) Quite famous. Uh, So Wikipedia says that she was built by René Robert Cavalier, Sir de, de la Salle, La Salle, as most people probably know him, in 1679 in his quest to find the Northwest Passage to China and Japan and was the largest sailing vessel on the Great Lakes up to that time. The exact size and construction of Le Griffon is not known, but many researchers believe she was a 45-ton bark. Her maiden voyage was August 7th, 1679. There are many legends about Le Griffon and what happened to her. According to the book Haunted Heartland by Beth Scott and Michael Norman, the local Iroquois people didn't believe the ship capable of floating and supposedly made plans to burn it, but failed in their attempts. Also, LaSalle was not a fan of the Jesuit priests, who he thought were too friendly with the Iroquois, and mocked them in front of the Iroquois prophet Matiamek, who was converted to Christianity by the Jesuits. Matiamek then, quote-unquote, cursed the ship, its builder LaSalle, and its blasphemous griffin talisman. Legends of Le Detroit, Le Detroit, a book by Marie Carolyn Watson Hamlin, published in 1883, quotes uh, Matia curse thusly. Great chief, you are too proud. You have shown contempt for the great spirit who rules all things, and you have set up an evil spirit on his throne. You seek the tribes of the West to trade with them and to destroy them with your cursed firewater. You sneer at the black gowns, the Jesuit priests, uh, Anantio sent us. You have taught us to worship the great spirit and till the ground. But Matiamek, the prophet of his race, bids you beware. Darkness like a cloud is ready to envelop you. The Christian Indian's curse rests on you and on your great canoe. She will sink beneath the deep waters and your blood shall stay in the hands of those in whom you trusted. LaSalle was eventually murdered by his own men, seemingly fulfilling Matiamek's curse. It's quite a curse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good curse. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, go for it. Go. 
yeah, do it. Yeah, curse These that guy. People have been nothing but nice, but okay, that's fine. Yep. Um, <laughs> and now for something completely different about this history. According to Marion Kuklow in her book, Michigan Haunts and Hauntings, two priests, fathers uh, Dolier and Galine, I'm guessing on those, uh, destroyed a sacred rock along the Detroit River. The tribe's people whose sacred rock it was gathered the rocks together in the river and they turned it into a monster serpent, in quotes, that 10 years later pursued the griffin as it passed through, bringing about a terrible storm. Some say the water spirits conjured 10 years before, quote unquote, drove her relentlessly to her destruction. LaSalle was not on the ship when she was lost. He had traveled on toward Mexico in his quest. Again, according to Haunted Heartland, the last confirmed sighting by, was by LaSalle on September 18th, 1679. Some Potawatomi people later told LaSalle that they had seen the ship tossing in a violent storm. You know what's funny is you're referencing um, Haunted Heartland and it's up on my bookshelf right now. So if we need anything. Yeah. It's a good one. I like that book. Um, <laughs> totally forgot I owned it. It's a, it's a very big right. paranormal bookshelf, but I have it if we need anything. Yeah, that's a good one. I recommend that book. You yeah. can certainly mine that for some things. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so no worries on the future. I have it. No one is sure what happened to Ligrafon. Some say the local tribe succeeded in murdering the crew and burning the ship. LaSalle was convinced that the pilot and crew sank her and made off with the goods. It is sometimes called the Holy Grail of Shipwreck Hunters. Many have claimed to have found it, but nothing has been confirmed yet. Frederick Stonehouse claims in his book that, quote-unquote, the lightkeeper of Manitoulin Island in Lake Huron is said to have found five or six skeletons later believed to be from the Griffin's crew. Yeah, that's probably the most famous shipwreck, ghost ship, in our history. I am both surprised and not surprised that it hasn't been found that makes sense just it was a long time ago <laughs> it was a long time ago it's that's true it could just be that all that's left is, are the metal bits and you would never see that yeah. at the bottom of a lake and you know con like construct that back into an entire ship if all yeah. you have are like anything from nails to uh just like decorative pieces who would who would reconstruct that looking at sonar or whatever and think that's a ship right and i mean this is 1679 yeah. <laughs> and if it was if it was smashed up in a storm timbers could be everywhere that would be amazing if they found it like oh man how cool would that be but that would be nuts. i i do not expect it to be found no it's prove it's me wrong universe good. come on right yeah <laughs> come on shipper but. hunters let's do it uh yeah uh it would be awesome but Oh, it's really old. I don't know. That being yeah. said, we found we found Viking ships intact, so who knows? It's true. Absolutely <laughs> true. And yeah, supposedly she's seen sailing. Mostly, like the most famous part, I think, is the curse. Oh, of um, course, yeah. By this this man. But because uh, everything I found, it was mostly like, here's how the curse came about and blah, 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 blah. Which we have two very different stories about this curse. I think Marion Kuklo is the only one I saw talking about the serpent and then other places that did mention it got it from her. Mm -hmm. But where she got it from, I could not tell you because everything else talks about this prophet. So cursed ship. I don't know. <laughs> I uh, Maybe by two curses, maybe there's just some words that got mixed up and monster serpent also happens to mean prophet or vice versa, <laughs> or it was metaphor, but take that LaSalle. Yeah. Dick. Dick. 
like will... like all explorers and, and like <laughs> yeah. conquerors you dick i he definitely opened up a lot of michigan but whether that was such a great thing eh. yeah <laughs> uh, you know the french were better than the english who were better than the americans but still <laughs> but still how yeah. great were any of them yeah <laughs> um this is something that no one else has mentioned, but I just happened to think of it in putting together all of this info for this episode. It did mention it was the largest ship of its time. We will learn that being a large ship, certainly the first of your kind on the Great Lakes, probably is not going to serve you very well. No. You're probably going to sink. Spoiler alert. Probably going to sink. <laughs> so that might, you know, that honestly, uh, that might have had something to do with it. That it was the first of its kind, and they didn't really know what they were up against yet. So yeah, uh, easily a storm could have come up and it could have sunk. Curse, no curse. <laughs> right. Some of these other ones we'll talk about were also the first of their kind. And now we're talking about them because they're ghost ships. So there you are. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Anything that happens to be the first of its kind usually has, has a few bugs in it, we'll say. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> as to be expected. But ooh, sometimes, sometimes it's just that your phone turns off by itself, and sometimes it's that an entire ship and it's cruising to the bottom of a lake. Uh, you know, <laughs> trial, trial and error. So next up, we have a ship that's sometimes called the Flying Dutchman of the Great Lakes. So also fairly famous ghost story. A 245 foot Canadian steel hulled steamer, the SS Bannockburn, was built in Scotland in 1893. So we've jumped ahead like 300 years, then brought across the Atlantic to apply the Great Lakes for the Montreal Transportation Company. According to author Luke Bowserman on his website, the final voyage of the Bannockburn began on November 20th, 1902. She left from Thunder Bay, carrying 85,000 bushels of wheat headed for the Sioux Locks at Sault Ste. Marie, then on to the Georgian Bay of Lake Huron. Wikipedia says that, quote, she was sighted by the captain of a passing vessel the SS Algonquin, around noon of that day, but minutes later disappeared. The wreck of the ship has never been found, with the exception of an oar and a life preserver, and no bodies were ever recovered. Within a year of her disappearance, she acquired a reputation as a ghost ship. An oar and a life preserver. Yeah, how eerie is that? Those two things together, like, they make that terrifying. Yeah, it's a good Here, story. Paddle for your life. <laughs> The Bannockburn actually sank once before this on October 15th, 1897. Uh, that's also the year that um, there was a bunch of UFO sightings in Lower Michigan, but we'll talk oh. about that a different day. While traveling from Chicago, Illinois to Kingston, Ontario, quote unquote, she had struck the wing wall of lock number 17 of Welland Canal and sprung a leak, sending her to the bottom of the shallow canal where she took on nine feet of water before coming to rest. No lives were lost, and she was raised afterwards. That's also, according to Wikipedia, where you will find a fairly detailed report of the ship's disappearance. Cottagelife.com. Interesting. What what yep. website is that? It's about, it's about I, cottages? Dude, I found articles in the weirdest places. I was like, just, re <laughs> just you know, reading along, doing my thing. What? That doesn't... What? Yeah. Okay. That, you're going to notice that a lot. <laughs> okay. Cool. I was like, that doesn't make sense. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> cottagelife.com reports that the ship is quote-unquote most often sighted between port arthur michigan and the sioux locks between lakes superior and huron there's another one <laughs> <laughs> i told you 
GreatLakesBoating.com says that the first recorded description of the Bannockburn as a ghost ship appears in The Romance and Tragedy bleh, The Romance and Tragedy of the Inland Seas, chapters of Oliver Kerwood's book The Great Lakes and the Vessels that Plow Them, originally published in 1909. Oliver <laughs> Kerwood was <laughs> I'm gonna laugh. I'm, I'm 15. That plow them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go on, sorry. Yeah, there are a lot of farming. That's yeah. not what I was thinking. With, with but okay. shipping. Yeah. <laughs> Oliver Kerwood was a fiction writer who wanted to stir up interest in the Great Lakes by drawing parallels to better known ocean and sea voyaging. Hence probably why the Bannockburn is called the um, Flying Dutchman, you know, things like that to, you know, make it like, hey, these are, le- this is legit. These Great Lakes are legit places. Right. Yeah. Uh, so these are actually as big as seas. I just don't want anybody to forget that. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And very dangerous. Uh, both Luke Bowserman and a maritime blog. Uh, J.C. Archaeology relate the story of another steamer, the Walter A. Hutchinson, running aground after nearly colliding with the ghost ship in a storm. This took place shortly after World War II. Uh, Check it out. It's a very dramatic story. However, J.C. Archaeology reports that they could find no record of a Walter A. Hutchinson operating on the Great Lakes, even if it was renamed. That comes up quite a bit, too. Uh, I did find one potential explanation for the ghost ship sightings on JC Archaeology. The blog points out the Bannockburn was a distinctive vessel for its time, but it wasn't the only vessel of its type operating on the Great Lakes during the early 1900s. The Rosemount was almost an exact sister ship, virtually identical to the Bannockburn. Perhaps there was a level of misidentification amongst sailors at the time. The Rosemount worked on the Great Lakes for 42 years. Even the Bannockburn's replacement, the Westmount, that was ordered less than a month after it sank, wow. did not arrive until 1903, bears resemblance to the lost ship. Um, if you want to see a video of a potential ghost ship on Lake Superior, I found a link to one from, of all places, my father's favorite radio station, WRKR, out of Kalamazoo. <laughs> it's so so weird radio stations love spooky stuff is where they we find do. our best information they absolutely and it's a video so like you can't even see it on air but um yeah totally link to that in the episode's description it, it is suggested on that page that it was the Bannockburn. why they think that i honestly couldn't say i guess because it's a famous ship it's the flying dutchman of the great lakes yeah. <laughs> i guess yeah i guess, if you had to pick one yeah, yeah, it I, yeah that I, one. It's either the Griffin or the Bannockburn. <laughs> those are your options. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of ships that have no history of existing but have a great story attached, next we have the Erie Board of Trade, a three-masted schooner that allegedly disappeared on Lake Huron in 1883. Uh, we'll just read the passage from Midwestern Ghosts and Haunting.blogspot.com because they tell it so well. A few days out from Cleveland, in Saginaw Bay on Lake Huron, the Erie Board of Trade had to anchor because the winds had died out. The captain set the crew busy cleaning and making repairs to the ship. He ordered a fairly new young crewman to scrape the topmasts. All of the crew had known that the rope to the bosun's chair was rather ragged and was dangerous to use. However, the captain sent the crewman up the mast in the chair anyway. Not longer after he reached the top, the the rope broke and the crewman came crashing down to the deck along with the chair and rigging. He remained alive long enough only to curse the captain of the Erie Board of Trade. On the remaining three days of the voyage, the crew claimed to have been haunted by the ghost and of the dead crewman who tumbled to his death, uttering his curse over and over, appearing as a white form materializing on deck and then settling on the spot where the unfortunate crewman had died. The ship made port, 
Many crew had enough of the hauntings and left the ship. The captain remained, and the Erie Board of Trade took on its load of coal and headed back out into Lake Huron. The ship was never seen again. As I said before, there is no record of an Erie Board of Trade, but according to the book Haunted Lakes by Frederick Stonehouse, quote-unquote, there was a Chicago Board of Trade, and it did have a decidedly unnatural career. Whatever that means. Mm -hmm. uh, Take in 1874 in Lake Erie. Nevertheless, people still report seeing this ghost ship sailing Saginaw Bay with a full phantom crew. Episode 83 of the Great Dive Podcast, a podcast about scuba diving, is all about the Erie Board of Trade, if you'd like to listen to more about this ship. It's a popular story. And maybe we replace the ropes more often, boys. Yeah, that I've... I've read so many versions of this story. That's the one I read is the most concise version. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's in several books. It's on several blogs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's quite a famous story, even though apparently it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> even though we don't know if that ship ever existed. Also, ship names are weird, man. They are so weird. <laughs> I came what? across so many. <laughs> Board of Trade? Isn't yeah. that just a group of people that make decisions on trade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a lot. Uh, Frederick Stonehouse's book is is fantastic. Um, he, I guess, wrote several books because I just read an article by him and he mentioned having four books out. Ooh. But uh, I've I read Haunted Lakes and uh, it's wonderful. It talks about um, how Finns were warlocks. That was another story I read in um, was it Spooky Michigan. Yeah. Finnish captains were they were um, very skilled sailors coming from like the oceans and the other seas uh -huh. so coming to the great lakes was like easy for them right <laughs> so there, done that. yeah they're like is that all you've got um so they were known as being like so good that had to have been warlocks oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's obviously magic yeah uh. obviously <laughs> but yeah this is a really fun book he does his research he tells the stories and it's really interesting but then he also was like yeah i looked into it and it's totally not true but it's a good story amazing that's kind of what we're doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, it's a great story it's none of it happened that's fine yeah and this one it talks about um ghost stories superstitions and sea serpents so yeah it's Ooh. it's a fun one highly recommend stonehouse's his book and uh i'm definitely gonna look into his other books too uh, this one i got out of the library but it would probably be worth owning because it's just there's a lot of good stuff in here if, if you like uh, tall tales and spooky stories, that definitely get this one. Pick it up. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the blogs that I mentioned do use him as their source, which is why I just got the book. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you're all talking about this guy. I'll just get the book and read him right from well. the source. Yeah. yeah. Not all of the, the blogs, I will say, mention that Stonehouse did this research and perhaps debunk some of these stories because that's yeah. no fun. <laughs> so yeah, the Erie Board of Trade is is a extremely popular ghost ship story on the Great Lakes, but probably didn't. I trust Stonehouse when he says it didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely go back and look through ship records and see and port records and see, you know, the names of ships and when they were docked and sailing. So yeah if if the name isn't found anywhere chances are it did not exist yeah he he has extensive end notes and uh, bibliographies and stuff he cites all of his sources and it's cool. he's he's a great reference so next we are headed to lake superior and the ss hudson whose wreck lies off the coast of keweenaw peninsula she was built in 1888 in detroit a propeller ship that measured 288 feet 
While crossing Lake Superior from Duluth, she sank on September 16th, 1901. Last year, in 2019, when the wreck was finally located, the Daily Mail reported that the night the ship sank, there had been a storm, quote, so strong it knocked out communication lines along the Keweenaw. Lighthouse keepers at Eagle River, Michigan, saw a sizable twin-stacked steamer dead in the water, listing badly. The unidentified steamer suddenly rolled over and sank. Two days later, the local newspaper reported there was no clue to the ship's identity and there was eerily no sign of wreckage. End quote. On September 20th, a fishing boat found wreckage that proved the ship indeed had sunk. I believe this is also from the article. They found two masts, one painted black and the other yellow, which matched the steamer Hudson. As the days flew by, more and more wreckage rose to the water's surface, including some bodies of the crew still wearing life preservers that bore the name SS Hudson. There'd been 25 crew members aboard and she went down with all hands. Ouch. Yeah, that was an interesting story. Like the I that's one I found in several places, but yeah. um of all places <laughs> I found a pretty concise the Daily Mail has a very very good reportage and they actually quote newspapers at the time okay. in their article. So that's that's a neat one to check out if you're into this kind of thing. Wow, good job Daily Mail. Look at you. Yeah, weird, right? Yeah, <laughs> all places. <laughs> All places to find this article, the Daily Mail. Man, this this uh, this podcast is just full of like unexpected sources. <laughs> it really is. People really like shipwrecks. They do. It's true. And and the Great Lakes are an unfortunately great place to find them. Yeah, like I mean, how many times have we already talked about Duluth sailing yeah. from Duluth? Yep. Uh, this was not the last sighting of the Hudson, according to multiple sources, but here we will quote from Mysterious Universe. On September 16, 1940, a tugboat captain and his crew spotted an old, rust-covered ship drifting near Keweenaw Point. On closer inspection, it was noticed that the ship was not only covered with rust, but also a strange brown slime. The captain of the tugboat sensed that the vessel was in some sort of distress and boarded it despite the ominous slime-coated appearance. The captain allegedly was welcomed with a completely empty, desolate ship and made his way to the pilot house, where he discovered that the ship was not as unoccupied as he had first thought. He reportedly saw the spectral apparitions of the Hudson's captain and helmsman, who proceeded to explain to the tugboat captain that they were doomed to eternally relive the sinking of the ship every September 16th. The ghostly crew warned the terrified tugboat captain to get off, and he promptly ran for dear life, jumping straight into the water and frantically swimming for his own boat. The Hudson has allegedly been seen from time to time since, always on September 16th, off of Keweenaw Point. So we're going to Keweenaw. Yeah, we need to go back to Keweenaw, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a lot of them up there, too, because there's a stretch of land... I forget from where to where um, along Lake Superior that's known as like shipwreck beach or shipwreck something. Oh, good Lord. Um, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of shipwrecks. <laughs> There's yeah. A lot of ships sank. The Hudson story I, I thought was really interesting and sad when a lot of, a lot of these went down with all hands. So yeah, that's why they're ghost ships. That's why they caught people's attention. I thought it was pretty cool that this one actually was found. They found the wreck. So you can go and um, look that up, and uh, that was cool. Not a, a lot of these weren't found, but uh, that one was very recently found, and there's quite a bit of information on it. So that's cool. If you yeah. like that kind of thing, go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like on Google Maps. I went to Keweenaw Point, and I'm like scrolling in on the satellite view. I'm like, where's the shipwreck? And, and I when I was up there, um, it wasn't Keweenaw. We were in 
oh, I can't think of the name now. But when uh, Greg and I were up there on vacation and we did a, a shipwreck tour with a glass bottom boat, it was so cool. Though The ones you see on that one, at least the ones that we saw, they were not like everyone was saved. Basically, there were no bodies okay. down there. Um, yeah. Greg was super creeped out. He did not enjoy that at all. Um, but I thought it was very cool. And, and I was more okay with it because I knew that we weren't going to see bodies. You know, <laughs> this, these weren't graves. These yeah. were ships that had, you know, everyone had been saved. They got, got away free and the ships are just kind of chilling down there. It was, it was very cool. I recommend it. I totally recommend it to anyone to do the, the glass bottom boat tour. But, oh, I would um, love to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last we have the Western Reserve and the WH Gilcher. I'm going to say Gilcher. It could be Gilker. I really don't know. Um, they were sister ships that went down in Lake Superior and the Straits of Mackinac, respectively, in 1892. A lot of this comes from the blog History, because it's here, uh, by Kathy Warns. Her, her, she's got a good blog. You should check her out, too. I definitely suggest reading that entry in full. It's, it's a good one. There's quite a lot of detail. Both ships were built in Ohio, the Western Reserve in 1890 and the WH Gilcher in 1891, and were experimental vessels with steel plate hulls said first of your kind mm -hmm. doesn't go well for you <laughs> <laughs> but this made it possible for them to carry heavier loads so that's why they were experimenting so it was longer than an american football field both ships were also large for their era on august 30th 1892 the western reserve ran into a storm on lake superior at around nine that evening the main mast crashed to the deck Per warns, forward of the spar, a break appeared on the deck, and the break widened with the passing of each wave. The crew launched the lifeboats. One wooden boat held a ship's owner, P Peter Minch, his family, and some crew. A metallic yawl held the rest of the 27 people aboard. The yawl capsized, and the lifeboat picked up two survivors. The 19 occupants of the lifeboat bailed and drifted in inky Black Lake Superior for 10 hours. Within a mile of shore, a wave suddenly capsized the boat and all but one man were drowned. News of the wreck spread quickly. The New York Times even covered the incident under the headline, The Steamer Broke in Two. What a headline. Wow. Okay. <laughs> to the point. Uh, <laughs> Better than clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what happened. Done. We're done. Steamer broke in two. Don't got to click on it. Uh, but swift, harsh criticism led to investigations into the safety of steel ship construction. It was concluded that, per Wikipedia, the shipbuilders had improperly used brittle steel contaminated with sulfur and phosphorus, which led to metal fatigue and then structural failure. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't use anything that's brittle, especially in the water. First of its kind! <laughs> yeah! Hey! Good job, guys! Uh, you they tried. tried. Yeah, you tried. they tried. <laughs> Eight weeks later, on October 28, 1892, the Western Reserve's sister ship, the W.H. Gilcher, left Buffalo, New York, headed for Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She ran into a storm in the Straits of Mackinac and never reached her destination. Some wreckage was found, and it was speculated that she had collided with another ship in the storm. All hands were lost. Wikipedia tells us that these dual disasters, tragic losses of life, and the ensuing scandal quote, led to permanent changes in the types of steel approved for use in U.S. and Canadian shipbuilding. Even with several searches, the wreck of the Western Reserve has never been found. I don't believe the Gilcher has been found either, though no one specifically says. Weird, okay. Yeah, the Western Reserve has its own Wikipedia entry. Um, I don't think the Gilcher does. It's included in the Western Reserve story because they were so closely tied. Right. 
Interestingly, the changes made to Aiken and Canadian ships did not carry over to the United Kingdom. A likely casualty of this discrepancy was none other than the RMS Titanic, which sank after striking an iceberg. As pointed out by Wikipedia, in the United States and Canada in the first half of the 20th century, lake freighters built with the improved standards for steel were bumping through Great Lakes ice flows and suffering damage, but not sinking. Take that, UK. Titanic, come on. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the lack of closing off of holes and lifeboats and everything else that was deeply, deeply wrong with the Titanic before it ever set sail. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was a fascinating tie to this ghost story. Like, oh, if you'd uh, listened to the Great Lakes, maybe the Titanic would not have sunk. Would have given them a better chance anyway. Right. Yeah. Who knows, who knows what would have actually happened, but yeah, if the UK had adopted the standards as well, I think I think we, they would have stood a slightly better chance. Right. Um, there is a story I actually came across um, kind of after putting this all together that, is it Peter, or the ship's owner, Peter yeah. Minch, there is another story that floats around and I've seen it in a couple places. I just hadn't connected it to this story until recently. Supposedly there was a guy at a rescue station had a dream that he saw a man in a top hat walking along the shore and just like gesturing wildly and was very upset. And then the, he wasn't a lighthouse keeper, but he was a rescue guy, whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. Um, he woke up and is wo- roused his friends. There's somebody out there. There's somebody out there. I had a dream. And so they go out there. There's nobody there. They don't see any ships. There's a storm, but it, everything's fine as far as I can tell. So then they go back and then later they find out there was a ship. It was this one. And the man that he saw in his dream, he later identifies as Peter Minch. Oh, snap. Yeah. And I believe Minch's, uh, yeah, his family, his wife and his children were on that ship. Yeah, they were. So it was, and he was a pretty well-known guy at the time. And that's kind of why it was such a scandal Mm -hmm. is because this very well-known person and his wife and kids died with him. And that's kind of what caused the scandal. Oh, fame. If fame you, yeah if you're gonna go down be famous <laughs> uh yeah i think that's that's how life yeah. works yeah yeah um but that's one i've heard floated around usually they don't mention the name of the ship mm. it's just but I, one of them mentioned his name and i was like wait a minute that was the ship owner of the western reserve and so i i connected the dots myself but that's a story sometimes you'll hear is there was a guy had a dream about this ghost yeah. and then turns out oh the man he dreamt about was the ship's owner Ooh. So yeah, that's an interesting connection to this story as well. Yeah. And of course, if that's true or not, who knows? <laughs> oh yeah, I, no, I don't know. But it's a really good story. Yeah. The story of the Western Reserve and the Gilcher was interesting about how it, it led to all of these changes in yeah. shipbuilding. It's tied to the Titanic. Like that was Oh just, yeah. Yeah, that's a fun story. I like that. <laughs> I I'm sorry that everyone died. Right. Yeah. But, no, we we never I mean, want to like diminish the fact that yeah people have lost their lives on these lakes but you know they were doing something no one had done before it's true he probably shouldn't have brought his family along for the ride maybe not and then for the uh, for the second one the sister ship to to sink two months later like wow that's crazy i'm like oh that's like a curse right (laughs) yeah yeah after the second one sank then everyone was like okay seriously we need to look into this yeah All right, one is one thing, but eh, maybe we should tr- maybe we should uh, conduct uh, an investigation. But um, yeah, the story doesn't end there, so to speak. 
Um, I think it goes without saying that both ships are still seen gliding across the waters of the Great Lakes. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Deer Park, along the shores of Lake Superior, is where you want to head to to catch a glimpse of the Western Reserve. You may even hear voices and laughter coming across the water. Mackinac Island is a place to go to find the Gilcher as she passes from here on into Lake Michigan on foggy nights. I mean, Lake, I mean, uh, Mackinac Island is just the place to go in general, but it's true. I will also happily go there to look for ghost look for ships. Ghost ships. Yeah. Deer Park, I think, is known as the Shipwreck Coast. If you're into shipwrecks, that's where you go. That and, uh, and the Keweenaw and uh, Shipwreck Museum. And the Shipwreck Museum <laughs> on the other side of the UP. It's just Lake Superior. It's not a yeah. great not a great place. It's terrifying. Yeah. That's really scary. Yeah. It's a whole song about it. <laughs> uh, speaking of, we are once again in Lake Superior for this next one with something a little different. A haunted shipwreck. The SS Kamloops, which is a great name was a oh, lake yeah. freighter that launched in 1924 and sank during a winter storm off the coast of Isle Royale on or around December 7th, 1927. None of the 22 men and women aboard were found alive. Wikipedia reports that of the nine bodies recovered from the Kamloops, five were identified and the remains shipped to next of kin. Four remained unidentified and were buried at Thunder Bay. A collective memorial stone was placed over their gravesite in 2011. This is where it gets a bit chilling, friends. Reading from Wikipedia, because they keep it succinct, <laughs> a lot of places go on and on about this, so this is why I'm reading so much from Wikipedia. In December 1928, a trapper working at the mouth of the Agawa River, Ontario, 150 miles away from where the ship sank, found a bottled note from Alice Betridge, an assistant stewardess in her early 20s who initially survived the sinking, and before she herself perished, wrote, I am the last one left alive, freezing and starving to death on Isle Royale in Lake Superior. I just want mom and dad to know my fate. The letter was signed, Al, who is dead. Okay. Right? <laughs> I have chills now just reading that. Um, Betridge's parents confirmed that the handwriting matched their daughter's. Her body had already been recovered months before the note was found. She was identified by her teeth. Searchers had been sent out in December to recover any survivors, who, uh, which were believed to have likely ended up on Isle Royale. But the nasty weather hampered their efforts, which were soon abandoned. The island was described as a forbidding jungle in the winter. In May of 1928, the search resumed, but for the wreck and bodies, not survivors. For an in-depth account of the sinking, there is an article on suetoday.com, S-O-O-today.com, uh, which we will be linking to in the episode's description. Absolutely. Lots of links for this episode. Oh, yeah. Like you said, everybody loves shipwrecks. Off the shore of Isle Royale's northeast end is another wreck. The SS Emperor was built in 1910 and sank on June 4th, 1947. She sank quickly, killing 12 crew members, including the captain and first mate. A nearby Coast Guard cutter was able to save the remaining crew. The largely intact wreck was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1984. If you would like to read the details of the sinking, you can head over to Wikipedia and search for SS Emperor. There is also a picture of a diver next to the underwater anchor. It's a very popular diving spot. And if you're a diver and you've been here, please let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Another place you can read about this haunt and many of the others we have talked about in this book is Haunted Lakes by Frederick Stonehouse. Again, uh, the online sources I found all repeat the story in Stonehouse's book, which goes as follows. 
1988, a recreational diver swam into the crew cabin where they encountered the apparition of a crew member lounging on his bunk. Another diver reported seeing a phantom crewman working in the engine room who looked at the diver for a few moments before returning to work. <laughs> Just looking over. Hey. All right. Yeah. I'm working. How you doing? Spooked him, though. <laughs> <laughs> Others have reported hearing strange noises, which we should point out is not unusual for a wreck, but also voices, and one diver heard a weird metallic voice say, Die! The diver looked around to make sure he was alone, heard die again, and then, after hearing it a third time, got the heck out of there. Old sailors claimed that when passing the site, the ghosts would call out to them or even climb aboard, silently going about their old duties on the new ship, before vanishing or climbing back over the side and returning to the water. There is an old superstition that when a ship had previously wrecked or a wreck is salvaged and its parts used on, on new ships, the spirits of the old crew will reappear. This also goes for airplanes. The exact same superstition applies to them. Oh. Yeah. There's, I could tell you a whole ghost story about that, but we're not, we're, we're focused on ships. Yeah. Another time. Another time. <laughs> Another time. <clears throat> yeah. I found this is a, a Cornish belief as well as a Great Lakes belief, but many of the people crewing on the Great Lakes were from Cornwall. Okay. So they, they would have brought that with them. Um, and then the Finns, with their reputation of being superb sailors and warlocks. <laughs> oh my god, those wizards, um, man. Yeah, both Haunted Lakes and Spooky Michigan, which I've mentioned a couple of times, Spooky Michigan now. Go read Spooky Michigan, it's fun. It's um, they both tell the tale of the Finnish captain. who con He controlled the wind with a knotted rope, is what it was. Um, so when the ship he captained be calmed, he would untie the knot and thereby summoning the wind okay. somehow yeah i don't know um I'm haunted lakes yeah one of them suggests like he would capture the wind during a storm and like tie a knot and then when he untied the knot it would release those winds and then uh, haunted lakes actually suggests that he sold his soul to the devil to acquire this power because that's a popular thing to do calm um, down yeah but spooky michigan they they don't say they're just he just could do it and in stonehouse's book it's probably because he's finished <laughs> <laughs> right they're just they're just magicians so i feel i must point out that it was once common in such situations for sailors to whistle throw coins overboard or strike the mast with a knife to summon wind so really untying knots in a rope doesn't seem that outlandish to me oh no sailors have superstitions <laughs> like up and down like why would a rope be yeah. any different why is yeah. that guy a wizard but, like, all the yeah. stuff you do is totally normal. Yeah. And so the end of the this particular folktale is that uh, his wife is sailing with them one day. And she is appalled how untidy his cabin is. So she goes to clean his cabin. And she's, why are all these ropes knotted? This is ridiculous. So she unties all of the knots and releases all of the winds at the same time. And either the ship sinks or it doesn't. Depends on which version of the story you're reading. Oh my um, God. They bl blame all of them. Blame the wife. <laughs> yeah, there's a woman on a ship. <laughs> yeah, I, what I've learned from Purple. this is don't don't bring your wife. Your ship's gonna sink. <laughs> um. <laughs> don't bring your wife. Okay, so Aaron and I will never be on a ship at the same time. I guess not. Um, oh well. Yeah, they're just there's so many wonderful stories that either they're about ghost ships or um just have to do with the sea in general uh, yeah. for the great lakes and it's just so much fun i love it. and i grew up with a lot of this kind of lore so that's why i'm, I'm super into like 
sailing and so forth, even though I have yet to actually sail. Even a lot of people in California thought that was weird because they're like, well, Michigan is landlocked. But like, we're not. We're really not. No, no, we're not. Like, Not at all. And we have some of the most dangerous seaways in the world. Yeah. So like they're called lakes because they're fresh water, but they are no joke. (laughs) Yeah, they're not really lakes. I love that both the shipwreck, the actual physical shipwreck can be haunted. Yeah. And there can be ghost ships in their entirety. This was such a fun one to put together because there are so many different kinds of stories. Yeah. Um, When I came across the haunted shipwreck, I was like, ooh, this is exciting. Oh, this is new. Yeah, this is fun. So I had had to include them. Had to include them. Oh, absolutely. And they're just being ghosts, like seeing ghosts underwater for some reason just like tickles me. That's hilarious for some reason. I don't know why. It's just seeing this apparition underwater going about his duties when you're dressed up in scuba gear is such a change from being in an old decrepit building and seeing a person while you are still dressed and look like a person i don't know what the difference is for me but it's very strange like oh ghosts can be underwater maybe it's the whole thing with like magic being dampened with running water that i'm like a ghost can be underwater yeah that's true but yeah, we have two haunted shipwrecks, and they're both on Isle Royale, different ends of it. Um, yeah. So you can head up there and check them out. One of them, maybe both of them, actually, you can see um, from the surface. That would be cool. And I've never been to Isle Royale, so. I haven't either. I've always wanted to go. I know it, it can be a little more of a severe environment than the main peninsulas, but yeah, but it looks beautiful. Be. And the whole thing with um, the Kamloops. Kamloops. <laughs> Kamloops. Um, that whole story with the woman alice's alice betridge that's like wow that's kind of wild and how how sad because they i forget how many they estimate had actually made it to the island and survived but it was a decent amount but the rescuers just couldn't get there because winter is a forbidding jungle (laughs) yes um yeah just nuts it's so sad that they were alive and that she was she wrote this letter and threw it in a bottle and tossed it and that that was considered by many at the time to be a cruel joke um you know oh, because yeah. her body her body had already been recovered months before yeah. her family was grieving so people thought this guy was just out to get something from them right which, wh- what he could have gotten i don't know <laughs> i i don't know why somebody would do that but no supposedly the parents did see the note and they said yeah that's absolutely her handwriting al who is dead yeah oh man She's the she was the last one. She watched everyone else freeze and starve to death. I mean, God, oh how gosh. awful. Oh, good lord. But it's it's a pretty cool story, but it's also tragic cuz this is this is real. This really happened. Right. That's there's records, there's people, there's Yeah. Yeah, we know for a fact that this happened and that's that's sad. Yeah, we have a lot of details about this mm-hmm. one. So I I haven't seen this too much mythologized, which is good. Because that would mm-hmm. make me really sad if it was. But it is more recent. This was the 1920s. So mm-hmm. what a story. I, oh, I like that one. Yeah, um, me too. Because we do have so much information about it. And we will link to those. <laughs> we will. And I'm sure there's, and I know there's a ton more shipwrecks that we could talk about. Yeah, these are some of the most famous ones that you see yeah. ri- written about over and over and over again. Like, I have a um, feeling this could be a huge multi-part series, but, and maybe we'll probably come back sometime down the line, but that's, that's still a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried to keep it kind of chronological 
Yeah. Um, and it spans from, yeah, the 1600s to the 1900s. So I wonder if there's anything more recent. Not not in what I found. But, I mean, I we're still, still plowing those lakes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what Superior is so mad about. <laughs> Just keep plowing her. She doesn't like yeah. it. She doesn't like it. A lot of these did go down in Lake Huron, too. I was I was kind of surprised, but I didn't grow up around Lake Huron, so I don't know as much about that one. I was um, going to say I was surprised, too, but it's because I've been around you who didn't grow up around Lake Huron. Right. All of my, like, shipwreck knowledge comes from your side of the state. Which is a very seafaring kind of place. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But yeah, uh, and the Sioux Locks coming through there yeah yeah it's it was i had a lot of fun researching this i really really did i went down some rabbit holes i was very impressed Good. with how much detail wikipedia has because there are records there's ships there's yeah. lots of records on everything right. they recorded all of these things what they were carrying what other ships saw them when they were last sighted i was so impressed by how much information there is on some of these because they're oh, old. Yeah. a lot of them were the 1800s early 1900s you can read like these long, detailed, like paragraph after paragraph of their final day. Like it's so cool. Yeah, ships were, and I'm sure still are. I just don't know. I don't have anything to do with like the shipping world. They're seriously documented. Yeah, every little thing from just like a captain's log to more other like outside sources being like oh i spotted that ship i wrote it down like i yep. know exactly where that ship was this day at this hour yeah we were watching something on the mary celeste the other day and they mentioned that in the ship's log they would typically make a note every hour on the hour they would make a note in the ship's log so if you can find the ship's log you can get a pretty good idea of what the ship was going through in its last moments and then of course other ships logs oh at nine o'clock we spotted this other ship yeah, she, she didn't look like she was in good shape. <laughs> so yeah, it was it's really neat. And I, I did use Wikipedia as a source for a lot of these things because there are so many sources out there. And uh, somebody clearly is a fan of shipwrecks on the Great Lakes. And uh, they put all of that together. And it was just fascinating to read. And it's they're real stories. They're very detailed, real stories that are now, of course, associated with ghosts. But I just I loved reading them. I thought it was so interesting. So yeah, Wikipedia, great resource for ghost ships. <laughs> Who would have thought, especially in like the newest scouring of anything paranormal on Wikipedia lately that some people have been doing. It's mm. good to know that they haven't gotten to the shipwrecks yet. Yeah. I feel like that's a shame because I mean you I'm not claiming any of these ghost stories are real. I don't know that. Yeah. I only know what people say. Right. And covering that up is why? Why would you do that? Oh, yeah. There's There's been a, a group or a person or something just going through paranormal entries on Wikipedia and just like scrubbing them clean, essentially. That's that's not fair. I think that's yeah. ridiculous. No, it's it's not cool in any way, shape or form. Because, yeah, anyway. like it's it's folklore. Why would you erase folklore? I don't know. That's probably because you have some religious slant that doesn't probably. agree with it. Because that's a lot of this, it's it's part of our culture. All of these stories, all of these ships are part of our collective culture around the yeah. Great Lakes that I happen to take a lot of pride in um, and find endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Hello, Tully. Tully's with us. Hi, Tully. <laughs> she just jumped on my keyboard. She says, oh, I didn't know we were doing this today. Oh, oh. at I'm least late. one podcast has to be here. That okay, does Tully. push me way away from the microphone. <laughs> there we go. We'll turn sideways. 
All right. Uh, well, that's it for this particular podcast. Is there anything um, project-wise, social media-wise we want to talk about? Other than Patreon, which we have, so go sign up for it. Yeah, we have two things up on Patreon right now. Um, Yay, hoping... two! Yay, two! Hoping to record something else. Um, I might do another story just because this time of year is traditionally, I know it's not really part of American culture right now or U.S. culture, um, but it was in European culture traditional to tell ghost stories at this time of year. It was part yeah. of celebrating Christmas. It's in Shakespeare, so I keep repeating to people. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it predated Shakespeare. <laughs> It's I mean, in Shakespeare. It's in Charles Dickens. It's in. It's a thing. Tell ghost stories. It's Christmas. Yeah, it's absolutely a thing. <laughs> um, was it a Winter's Tale? It's the Shakespearean piece, and they they think it like the Vikings did it, and the Celts pr- probably did it too. Um, just that it's it's dark. It's getting darker. Uh, it's cold. You're Work. gathered around right. the fire, whether what? it's a fire outside or in your fireplace at home. Like, yeah, let's tell ghost stories. We're all tell stories of the past. Yeah, we're all huddled inside. What else are we going to do, right? So I, I love that about this time of year, that it's it's all ghosty. And that it, it used to be part of the Christmas tradition, in, in England especially, um, hence Charles Dickens, that you would kind of gather around the, the family hearth and tell ghost stories. So I'm carrying on that tradition by telling Absolutely. ghost stories. And there are so many. There are books filled with Christmas ghost stories from the, 1900, or from the 1800s, 19th century. Um, and we hope to start doing, if we get enough people in the near future to start doing um, like live streams and things like that on our, what is this called? On our Discord and on Twitch possibly too, because I do have a Twitch. Ooh. So it would be really cool to meet up once a month, once every other month or something and just kind of talk to each other, get to know each other, tell ghost stories ourselves. and Yeah, know. absolutely. I love hearing stories. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, um, me too. I read a lot of memoirs. I love personal stories. <laughs> um, otherwise, uh, social media is haunted mitten pretty much everywhere. I'm trying to be a little bit more active on it on on the Twitter, on the Tweety box, instead of just like retweeting stuff. <laughs> I fall yeah. into the retweet hole, so I just, I'm I'm hoping to put a few more my of articles that I found and posted, not just that someone else yeah, not just for me and I posted. Yep, I fall into that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a lot of really great paranormal people and paranormal resources on Twitter. Yeah, that absolutely. are very active and all know each other and all talk to each other and share stories and share articles and all that really fun stuff. So, yeah, I'll try to be a little bit more active on that, especially if we go into another shutdown and I have weeks upon weeks to myself again. Yeah, my work just closed even more to the public because we kept saying well we're yeah. not open to the public except we were because we are fulfilling holds and things but now we're right. not even doing that yeah. and i am entirely working from home i'll probably be doing that after we're done recording yeah um, but one of the things i get to do is write about the ufos in the 1960s in michigan so yeah heck yeah we're gonna Def- talk about that later yeah we're definitely Michigan <laughs> has such a such a wonderful history with ufos it's great oh, that, yeah. that easily we can make an episode about that yeah and like I said, there was a whole string of sightings in 1897. It was the airship sightings. Oh, that's um, right. Yes, yes. The airship. I've written I've written actual papers on it. I wish that I could find those because those have some great actual academic sources because college, I don't mm-hmm. know where any of those are, though. So unfortunately, I will have to go back and find all of those resources again. Um, I think they are at least two or three laptops ago. So I don't oh. have them at all. Yep. Um, unfortunate, but... Yeah, look that up too, because that's really 
we'll, we'll talk about that too. oh yeah i'm definitely yeah. we are definitely doing one on ufos oh yeah at um, least there's yeah. a lot to talk about and i just loved ufos and like cryptozoology too so i'm throwing that into the podcast because i can yeah and i, I do think i think there's a lot of overlap i think some of these things could be maybe explaining each other for sure other than that my social media personally is k gray writes uh just the letter k and then g-r-a-y and then writes as in when you write stuff down and that's me everywhere except i hate facebook so i don't go on it but i love instagram and i love twitter so i will always be there yep and i am at krista k coburn i'll spell that out for you c-r-y-s-t-a-k-c-o-b-u-r-n and again instagram twitter and facebook I have been getting more people reaching out to me on Facebook lately. I am on there. I run some other Facebooks for people. So yeah. I'm on there at least for that. And then my private one. But even that's been kind of, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I share yeah. a lot of articles. Pretty much, <laughs> but I do yeah. that in my, my Twitter and professional Facebook too. Um, and then our podcast email, if you want to send us anything we love hearing personal stories we love to get ideas for the podcast ideas for the patreon we are really we are open to everything it is just contact haunted mitten at gmail.com so super easy send us send us stuff i love getting mail that's not especially just like an ad right uh, especially if any divers out there yeah that I thought was so it. interesting and the diving podcast i found that talked about the haunted wreck that was cool I was like, oh my god, there's a diving podcast. Then I went, of course there's a diving podcast. Yeah, um, I think that might have been like a Halloween episode or something. I can't remember. But like, that's so that's, cool. that's how pervasive these stories are. Like that, that yeah. cottage magazine and sailing magazines. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not just on, you know, ghost sites, haunted sites. In fact, I didn't find much on um, too many ghost sites. So these yeah. stories are, are beloved and widespread throughout uh, definitely Michigan and probably the Great Lakes in general. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's all. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks to Eric Honky for cleaning up our podcast and taking out animal noises from my insane apartment. He's great. He's open for work. If you want to get in contact with him, get in contact with us and we would be happy to hook you up. Otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks with another episode of Haunted Mitten. And as always, happy haunting. <laughs>